What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. The last podcast of the year, 2020. Thank goodness this is out of the way as far as a year goes. It's been uh, quite the trying times. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening, guys. Going to get you through the start or the end of this year and the start of new year with, with this podcast. And first of all, kind of share some of the things that I think I've picked up over the last couple weeks. I know it's been a minute since we've spoken, uh, just some things going on, obviously. But look, I want to get us back on track for the offseason, kind of recap a little bit of signing day as well, some post-signing day thoughts and kind of what's next now for SMU. And then as soon as we flip the page to the new year, we're going to start on the basketball side of things uh, because it's been a minute since uh, SMU has you know, played a game and, and uh, it's been since signing day, actually, uh, since they played a basketball game and uh, they'll start off with a one o'clock central tip at Temple uh, to kick off AAC play. Now, let's start with the SMU football team side of things. Shane Bouchelle, Kylan Granson, Brandon Stevens, all players that have declared for the NFL draft, their SMU career's are over. So what's next now for SMU with those departures? I think first of all, you look at Shane Bouchel and you've got to give him credit for the career he had at SMU, for how he elevated the program to national prominence. And there's a lot of players that have been a part of that and have, uh, you know, I think contributed in, in a huge way to the team and and to the rise and the coaching staff gets credit as well. But everything turned when Shane Bouchel opted to transfer to SMU from Texas as a graduate transfer. I think Sonny Dykes kind of said it best. He gave the the team credibility. Uh, He gave the program credibility. He gave a lot of the coaches credibility because he was certainly the most sought after graduate transfer on the market uh, that cycle, I believe. Um, I, I, unless I'm, missing somebody. I think Justin Fields transferred early in the fall, uh, but in terms of the spring uh, transfer period, uh, Shane Bouchelle was certainly it, if I have my years correct. But kind of back on track, I think one, you look at his senior year and his final season at SMU, and certainly for him, you wish that, you know, I think things would have gone differently. Uh, things, uh, the, 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 the missed opportunities, you know, are going to be felt. And I think the kind of the same thing goes uh, once again for, uh, you know, you could say that about the 2019 season as well in a way, but SMU kind of played a, a, ahead of its time. I think in the 2019 season, this year was the year that they were poised to make that big jump. And quite frankly, they didn't as much as, you know, people thought they were going to. And, I think uh, the way they handled everything with COVID-19 and their offseason and having a new offensive coordinator that didn't get a spring and, and you know, didn't really well, – didn't even get to sit in the same room 
with these guys uh, as he installed a new offense kind of hurt a little bit. And and I talked with Garrett Riley uh, for an interview that's going to be up on Pony Stampede. A ton of good stuff. We're just going to drop that over the next, honestly, week, you know, to two weeks, honestly, with with all the stuff that I've gotten from Garrett Riley, Kevin Kane. Um, I've got other interviews with assistants lined up to kind of put a button on the 2020 season. But one thing that I took away from my chat with Garrett Riley is just the the identity of of the offense struggled this year. And I think the the big thing when I say that is there were shuffling parts and it is, you know, like it's excuses, but it's also reality. You lose Reggie Robertson and you lose TJ McDaniel. Those are two critical pieces of your offense. And so from there, they were trying to find out, I think, who they wanted to be offensively the entire rest of the year. We saw Tyler Levine emerge, you know, with games like he had against Navy. Um, But at the same time, the offense, you know, struggled to finish against Cincinnati. We saw Danny Gray star at Tulane. Uh, We saw Rasheed Rice have big moments. We saw Kylan Granson have his moments. Uh, But there was just a lot of inconsistency across the board. And uh, offensive line, I mean, just, just everywhere. And when you have that inconsistency, I think coaches and, and players, too, are looking for ways to find out how to, one, right the ship, of course, uh, but two, what's the best way to go about, uh, go about attacking a defense, attacking a game plan, uh, and developing that into an identity? And for Shane Bouchel, the season just didn't go, I think, how he wanted. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why. Uh, there was some hope that he would return, but ultimately he's got, you know, multiple degrees. He's old. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he kind of jokes. I think he joked before the season about this was Sonny Dykes on a coach's caravan, but, oh, you know, I, we should be sitting on uh, two bar stools, I guess, having beers or something, you know, we're, you know, as, as a former player at this point. But um, so it's time for him to get his NFL career started. And when I look at it, his SMU career, he had an unbelievable 2019 season you know, I think when Reggie Robertson went down, you know, things things changed for the entire offense, but they still had some really impressive showings. This year, you kind of saw them uh, struggle to maintain consistency. And quite honestly, the defense stepped up in a way because of it at certain moments. Now, offensively, they just, I, I think, inconsistency also kind of fell on Shane Bouchelle a little bit. Uh, there were times when he looked off. Uh, you know, you get asked, is he hurt? Is he dealing with something? You know, I don't know. Um, and I asked that kind of in the back half of the 2019 season. But from what I've gathered, I mean, he he just, you know, I think there was such high expectations that I think they were trying to be perfect in every sense of the word. They're trying to be perfect with COVID-19. They're trying to be perfect, you know, playing every week as an offense. And I think that kind of caught up with them at certain moments in the season. They, certainly, they they had some great performances out there. I mean, look, when you look at this offense and what they were able to do under Shane Bouchelle, they were one of the best offenses in the country. I mean, that that whether you agree with some of the things Garrett Riley did or not, or Sonny Dykes did or not, it's it, it is one of the better offenses in the country, and people are gonna people are just gonna f- find ways to complain. But this year in twenty twenty, a little bit more. I don't know. I don't want to say warranted, but. There are a lot of things I think that as they wanted to simplify and and 
things fell on Shane Bouchelle's shoulder to execute that simplification, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out as well as they you know, thought it would. And that's something they've got to get corrected as they move forward in the future is when things aren't going right, what, what can you do or, or what, you know, what's your go-to again, just what's this offensive identity. So it's pretty incredible to me that I think Shane Bouchelle, despite all that kind of led SMU to this, you know, national prominence, top 25, you know, ranking that they've been in and out of uh, for the last two years and put SMU back really on the map. Because if you're an offense that is as explosive as they can be, but you also struggle at times like they had, I think you're kind of overcoming a, you know, a good deal. I mean, when you lose Reggie Robertson, when you lose your starting running back, or you, you're without Danny Gray at certain points, or Rasheed Rice is playing banged up or whatever, they just kind of overcame some things to, to figure out ways to score points and, and to, I think at least for the most part, have themselves in, in an in position to win games and we'll have to see where the offense goes from here without Shane Bouchelle because they're going to get Reggie Robertson back from everything I hear and 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 I don't even know if he'll announce anything um, or not but so they get this this offensive weapon back uh, hopefully he's healthy and all of that uh, tough injury to overcome but you know he has plenty of time uh, TJ McDaniel you hope comes back strong and you got a chance to return the entire offensive line. We'll see if they do. And then you have some of these younger players that really need to step up. You know, you know, Ulysses Bentley needs to step up. They need to find a, a tight end that they can rely on. Again, Nolan Matthews, the Arizona State transfer, could be that guy. Uh, they signed two quality running backs. Will they go out and get a transfer? Will they be able to? add another wide receiver at some point down the line. Those are things that I think they've got to consider because if you look at the last couple of years, whenever they've lost a, a major piece of the offense in terms of a skill, it kind of falls apart. And that can't happen. And you've got to get either a new starter in Tanner Mordecai, who we'll get to in a second, or Preston Stone, the four-star quarterback they signed, or who knows, Dark Horse, Derek Green. You've got to get them weapons uh, to make them feel comfortable in their first year as a starting quarterback. Now, let's talk about Tanner Mordecai, the Oklahoma transfer that SMU landed. Obviously, the, the coaching staff had a lot of insight here with him playing for Lincoln Riley, the brother of Garrett Riley. And look, I, I wasn't able to catch up with Garrett Riley about Tanner Mordecai because they haven't announced him as a transfer just yet. But I think one thing that I kind of take away with this is when they evaluated the transfer market, they needed somebody to come in and play right away. And I, and one people have asked me, well, how, this, how did the stones feel about that? It's like, you know, you're recruiting a four-star quarterback who's an SMU legacy, who's been committed for well over a year uh, or well now, I guess, close to a year. And, you know, I mean, they've just been recruiting him so long. You've got to be honest. And, and, and I've told people that they've had, they had the conversations and, you know, I think it's something they understand. It's going to be a quarterback competition. It's not going to be something that's handed over to Tanner Mordecai or, or Preston Stone and, or Derek Green. And, you know, that's kind of the thing that this program has kind of built itself off is playing the best guy. And I, I do believe that. I don't think there's, you know, people can point to, you know, certain offensive linemen or whatever to, to fit their argument. Well, well, why, why is this guy playing? You know, we've seen them transition to Jalen Thomas, you know, when, at, when he was a true freshman. And then Marcus uh, Bryant got time this year when things didn't go well with Bo Morris. 
We've seen other younger players emerge, Junior Aho, Devere Levelston on the defensive line as they got better. Donald Clay made, played more. Brandon Crosley played more. It, all of those things, Jimmy Phillips, at outside backer, I mean, just all of those things, they've just shown that they will, they will play the best guy. And so Tanner Mordecai comes in, and I think the biggest thing for me is he's won championships. He's been a part of a championship program for multiple years at Oklahoma. Garrett Riley recruited him at Kansas uh, as well, and Sonny Dykes has a relationship back there, I'm sure. So you look at all those factors, and it, it just it fit. It fit really, really well. He was efficient at Oklahoma. I don't think he is somebody that's going to come in with all this hype uh, or anything like that, like some of these other transfer quarterbacks in this year's market would have. Uh, but he's just going to come in and, and just be focused on what he needs to do to win, a, win the job, uh, instill a winning culture, uh, and continue that. And being around Oklahoma, I think, you know, will help him in that regard. And it'll help SMU. Anytime you can surround yourselves with guys who have won at any level, it, it's important. And as SMU looks to push for an AAC title, because they are still AAC title contenders, Tanner Mordecai is going to be a big part of that, in my opinion. I do think at this point he's your early favorite to start. Uh, and his experience in watching, I mean, some of the best quarterbacks in college football and now the NFL – lead their teams to conference championships and how you navigate that during a season is going to be really important. So I think they're on the same page in terms of how it's going to work out with Preston Stone, how it's going to work out with Tanner Mordecai. Good fit, good pickup for SMU uh, as this offense transitions to a new starting quarterback. Now let's flip over the defensive side of the ball, but we're going to do that just after this break on the Pony Stampede podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks for listening to the Pony Stampede podcast, guys. Quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let's jump into the defensive side of the ball. A lot of different ways I think that this defense uh, can be pointed to, and you can you can say, okay, it's 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 bad. It's a bad defense, and I don't think it's a bad defense. I think for the most part, one, the defense was behind the eight ball with how SMU practiced. A lack of physicality, which, you know, people say, oh, do you think they'll go back to physical physicality if they're able to, you know, with, with spring practice on that stuff? Yes. I mean, people forget, like, Sonny Dykes and, and this staff ran a physical, physical practice in in the spring when they got here. They ran a physical practice uh, in the fall uh, before that, that uh, you know, 10-win season, or, or excuse me, before their first season. And we saw that be a key in them improving at certain points of that season, they fell apart at the end. They lost they lost to Memphis and lost to Tulsa. But when you look at how they've practiced during the course of normal years, it's been super physical, and we've seen some improvement defensively because of that. And there might be certain metri- metrics that don't support that, and and that's fine. But I do think that one. I mean, the the pass defense got so much better this year. I mean, it really did. There were times where it was pretty bad at times. I mean, that's that that's just part of this defense still working to get to where it needs to be. I think that's part of the the 
just nature of being in the AAC. I mean, you're going to get torched. We see random teams in the AAC, honestly, get torched every week. I mean, we saw SMU get torched by East Carolina, uh, despite, you know, being torched the year prior by East Carolina. Uh, there, there are just weird things that happen from time to time in the AAC uh, to uh, defenses against opposing offenses that might not be very good. That's life in the AAC. But I think, and talking from Randall with Randall Joyner and Kevin Kane, I'm excited to see the defensive line next year. I mean, that it's going to look pretty stout up front, and especially if they get Mike Williams back and him motivated to get in shape and to do the the whole offseason uh, that he basically missed this this summer. Because you add Mike Williams back, Junior Ajo, who looks just freaky uh, still, Devere Levelston, who really didn't get fall camp, didn't get you know, the first couple games of the season because, you know, he was being kind of held off, you know, for COVID reasons, I believe. And, and then you add uh, the, the defensive line haul that they got in 2021 uh, with, with Jalen uh, Samuels, uh, Braylon Jackson at some point, Stone Ebby, uh, or Stone Ebby, uh, Jaden Jones, all those guys to the front that, that is going to return Turner Cox. It's going to return a, a lot of these, uh, Elijah Chapman, who Kevin Kane called, probably the most physical player he watched all year on the, on film. You hopefully get Nelson Paul a little bit more healthy, Toby and Duckway, Gary Wiley to step forward, Terrence Newman to get back in shape. Uh, it's a, it's a front that is going to be really, really good. Um, and I think it's going to start there in a way for SMU and the secondary. I think you need these safeties to step up and, and continue to develop. They're pretty young on, on the back end, you know, people for people, People don't remember that Chevin Calloway was not a graduate transfer with one or two years left. He was, uh, you know, a true, uh, he transferred as a, uh, I believe, redshirt freshman. So he's going to be going into just his junior year, second year of the program, um, excuse me, uh, third year of the program. You want him to take a step forward and, and it's time for him. He's athletic enough to do so. And then you have other players like Chase Cromarty who played okay. Uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, uh, Donald Clay, Roderick Robertson, Carl Taylor, who they really like. And then you've got a versatile player that they added in Bryce McMorris, who maybe you know gets a look there at safety, but I think he's more of a corner in their eyes. So the back end, I think, will improve. Brandon Crosley, another year. Armani Johnson, it's his contract year. It's his money year. And by the way, Brian Massey is going to be really good. If he doesn't start next year at corner, I'd be surprised. Uh, I would imagine they're going to look for a corner in the, in the grad transfer market, as they always do. Uh, but you know, that, that secondary has been in, in improving. I think they signed a, a good linebacker class, a lot of versatility, a lot of edge, a lot of physicality. Uh, and then they have a chance to return that whole crew of linebackers. So it, it's going to be a defense that as they settle into this multiple, mostly three-man down front, they get more comfortable in that. They'll continue to improve. There were there were moments this year that SMU's defense, quite honestly, put them on, put them on the back or put uh, put the team on its back. Sorry, and uh, and I think that's encouraging. There were it took them a couple weeks, I think, to kind of get into the groove of things, just playing at game speed, playing in shape, honestly, uh, things like that. But you know, for the most part, I saw improvement. Uh, again, they had their moments where they were poor, uh, and and Kevin Kane didn't hide that when he and I chatted. But you know, I think for the most part, this is a defense that is going to continue to get better. 
and they, they're adding toughness. I think that's kind of the one thing that I took away from my conversations is they've just got to get tougher and they've got to build that through practice. Uh, they've got to build that uh, in, the, in the players they recruit. And I think in terms of toughness, this defensive class that they signed, I don't have many concerns with the toughness of this group. I really don't. Um, I mean, you can, you, I'm sure there will be somebody in there that makes, you know, that struggles to make the jump to the college level. But I saw a lot of these players that they recruited, uh, watched a lot of film, had a lot of time thanks to COVID, I guess. But, you know, they really, uh, I think, I don't want to, you know, sit here and say this recruiting class is a hit before they even arrive on campus. I hate when people do, you know, do that quite honestly. I think you, you can talk about it and project certain players would be really good, but I just think they, they really did a good job of evaluating players that exude toughness when you watch them on tape, when you watch them in person. Um, I, I think I got a chance to watch just about every defensive signing outside of Isaiah Kelly uh, in person. And I didn't watch Mason Jolly, uh, as a junior or senior in person, but I saw him as a freshman, um, at least at one point. Uh, and then I, I didn't see Jalen Samuels, but I watched a ton on him. Uh, but for the most part, this was one of those crews that it just kind of worked out. I was able to watch a lot of them and, and get a, meet a lot of them in person. And, and that's just my opinion. That they exude a lot of toughness. So you add all that into the fold and hopefully it upgrades, you know, the rest of your defense in, in spurts, because a couple of those guys will play early. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. They'll just they'll find a way on the field, uh, even with the returning guys. And again, that goes back to playing the best players. So, you know, for for SMU, I think they've really done a good job. I think upgrading the team now. I think you know we we look for them to again. I think it's kind of the normal offseason at this point. Find a pass rusher, find a corner, wide out, running back, maybe another tight end. And things like that, I think, to round out this roster for next year. They do have a few spots uh, to go. January 7th is the first day of classes. I think a couple weeks later is their last ad drop date. Um, I think it's the 17th. I could be wrong. Um, and then from there, uh, we'll see kind of how things go uh, in the course of spring. If we see spring practice, which I think they will. That's just my opinion. Uh, I haven't heard anything exactly in that respect just yet. And then, you know, I think for, for them, they've just got to, again, just continue to improve, get get themselves right mentally. Uh, and, and in terms of toughness, there were just too many times that they kind of, they hung with it and they didn't quit or anything like that. But this team has to be ready to go at 11 a.m. against an East Carolina or a Temple. Uh, they've got to be able to build a big lead and hold it. And, and, and they didn't do that against Tulsa. You know, on the flip side, though, they showed a lot of you know fight against East Carolina. I know people want to say, oh, well, they were down 45-7.5. Yeah, but look, it's a 60-minute football game, and I know everybody kind of hates that rebuttal, but it's true. I mean, SMU battled back. They, their defense played outstanding in the third quarter. They they were within a smaller deficit than, Tulsa, or than SMU was against Tulsa just a year prior, heading into the fourth quarter. And that's a football game, whether people like it or not. SMU is in position to potentially win that game. Um, you know, until a couple of interceptions late and, you know, they just couldn't play perfect the, the entire time. So they've got to know when there's some killer instinct out there and, and some ability to put a team down. Um, it doesn't mean you have to beat them 70 to nothing, but, you know, they don't letting teams up off the mat or giving a uh, team that isn't very good a, ch a chance early on and giving them a, 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 an outlook that says, Hey, we can play with these guys and gives them some confidence. They've got to be able to kill that. 
And we'll see kind of how, where they develop leadership wise. Again, they have a lot of players returning, but they also lose their quarterback. Somebody's going to have to take over that leadership responsibility. And that's probably going to be one of the biggest offseason questions. I mean, I would say it's the biggest offseason off question. What happens at quarterback? Um, but Garrett Riley told me it's, it's as wide open as can be. That's going to be the fun thing about it. Uh, following it in the spring, again, if we do get spring practices, which I personally think we will, uh, it's going to be fun to see. So I think that kind of covers, you know, kind of a year-end wrap on the football side of things. Uh, Recruiting-wise, and they miss out on Savion Bird. And I think the big takeaway for me, and I, I look, guys, I've had a lot going on, and I will post kind of the the how things played out with him and kind of my behind-the-scenes view from the whole recruitment. But I think the biggest thing for me when I look at that recruitment of Savion Bird and, and kind of how things went down on, on signing day, you know, I, and I said this throughout it, is that, you know, Savion Bird wants to, to please people. I mean, he really is he's a good kid. Uh, talked to him multiple times. really well-researched in his decision. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think – I think he, I think there were certain points in his recruitment that he wanted to go to SMU, that he told SMU he was coming, and that he meant it, and he did so multiple times. And I think his actions back that up too. I mean, he was on campus in the spring as much as anybody, even Preston Stone, and then obviously dead period hit, and 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 kind of long story short, I mean, in the middle of April he said, "I'm committed, I'm coming." let's do this. And it was early May that he was expected to do it along with the rest of the crew that kind of popped during that time. And, you know, it never came. And it's a recruitment that, again, you got to keep battling. You can't just, um, you know, take, you know, say, oh, okay, like he didn't do it. Oh, gosh, we're out of it. They kept battling. He was on campus for the first SMU football game of the year uh, in terms of home games. Uh, he also, you know, checked out Oklahoma. He checked out LSU. And his parents went to, with him to Oklahoma. And I think, and, I've, and I said this, you know, people wanted to say, okay, uh, well, the mom's for Oklahoma and the dad's for SMU. Well, here's the thing. This is what, you know, I picked up and I think especially kind of late in it all. They were okay with him going to Oklahoma because they saw it, they visited it, but they wanted him at SMU. And I think that was kind of the internal struggle with, within the family, quite honestly. And when Savion Bird sat down to make, it his, make his decision, he ended up wanting to go to Oklahoma. And that's okay. And going into Tuesday and into Wednesday, uh, but especially Tuesday, you know, everything was gravy with SMU. They were told that they were getting him. They felt like they were in a good spot. Uh, things, you know, a couple weeks prior had been very quiet on the Oklahoma front. Uh, in terms of their concern. And ultimately, Savion Bird thought it over, and he said, you know what, I want to go play at Oklahoma. And his parents said, okay. And I, there was a struggle about it. And there was a, well, we'd really want you to SMU, but we visited it, and it's your decision, and you can go to Oklahoma. So I think that's kind of what it ultimately came down to. And so where I was kind of going with that is, is Savion Bird is, is a kid that wants to please people. And, you know, it's no secret Rashad Samples recruited Savion Bird. A couple other people, Jordan Blake, uh, played a key role. Uh, the former SME players now on staff as well. And, and A.J. Ricker was on the phone with him a lot. Uh, Kaz Kazadi was, Sonny Dykes. 
And they did a really good job recruiting him. But I just don't think they eventually were able to just get it across the finish line, which is kind of what I said, uh, quite frankly, all along. You know, things were things are in good shape. You know, family wants SMU. You know, Savion's saying he's coming. Things like that. Everything's in good shape. You know, they're they're watching for you know a back door here or there. But I said, but they got to get it across the finish line. And Sonny Dyke said it after you know on signing day. He said, if I have to beg people to come here, it's not going to work out. And that's not a shot at Savion. It's just a reality. And so when he said, you know what, I want to go to Oklahoma, it, it, what are they going to do? You know, the, I don't think you can be ticked off at a kid for doing that. I think during the his whole recruitment, he did this to multiple staffs, I think, and that's why there is kind of a back and forth on it all, is that he told multiple staffs he was coming. Um, I, In my opinion, I don't think he did it with Oklahoma but once. Um you know, I think he he might have done it at Sooner Summit potentially, but for the most part, everyone was kind of in the dark here, and you kind of saw that as we went into the final hours. You know, the Oklahoma side lost some confidence. Uh, I mean, uh, on all fronts. You know, I talked to a couple of different people, and and it was it was like, well, we don't know, we don't know, we don't. Know. And and you kind of saw that reflected on the Oklahoma side of things uh, with my colleague Brandon Drum dropping his confidence score. So. It, it was just one of those deals where, you know, I think Savion just didn't want the whole like world of pressure on him in terms of, you know, coaching staffs crushing him. I know there were a few staffs that were told to back off of him because they were too aggressive. And I, I just think they couldn't get it across the finish line. They were in a really good spot for a long, long time. At, but Bill Biedenbaugh is a great recruiter at Oklahoma. And I think they did a really good job there. And the family said, okay, if that's really, really where you want to go, we're, we're not going to stop you. We visited it. Um, and I think that's kind of just how it played out uh, for the most part. But overall, I mean, this is, a, this is a historic class. It's the number 50th ranked class for SMU, uh, or the number 50th ranked class in the country. It's the best class in the recruiting services era for SMU, uh, for, in the internet era especially. It's 50th ranked class. Once again, they continued to reset the bars in terms of average recruit rating for themselves. Um, the 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 average recruit ranking within the conference is once again at the top. So, seventeen commitments on board, or seven sixteen signees, seven uh, one commitment uh, on board for SMU, and they just did uh, a, a a great job. I mean, th- this is a class that if you look back on when things kind of took the next step for SMU, I do believe it starts with this one. You add the toughness defensively. Uh, you add some of the high-end talent, like Preston Stone, like Dylan Goffney, Isaiah and Wachovia, uh, uh, Jalen Samuels. Uh, a lot of these playmakers, Roger Daniels, it, it just it doesn't stop. And I think the diamonds in the rough, so to speak, uh, of this class, Mason Jolly, uh, Bryce McMorris, Stone EB, and Isaiah Kelly, guys that aren't incredibly highly rated, um, but really, really have a chance to be really good football players, in my opinion. So there's a lot uh, that uh, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of there's a lot uh, this this team has to improve on. Um, but for the most part, um, you know this this um, this team is headed in the right direction. I think that's the message going into 21, uh, 2021, guys. Um, if you're not excited about this team, and I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna rely on what happens at quarterback uh, in terms of just how good they can be, but they're gonna get most of their pieces back. 
If they get Reggie Robertson healthy, TJ McDaniel healthy, I mean, look out. I think they're going to plug in the right some of the right pieces to, to take this thing to the next level. Uh, I do. What that looks like in terms of win-loss kind of, again, goes back to the quarterback position. How consistently good can the quarterbacks be is going to tell the tale in the 2021 season. But things are heading in the right direction. I'm excited to cover it. I want to thank you guys for uh, being with us through 2020. Uh, it was quite the time. <laughs> I'm so glad it's uh, – I'm so glad this year is, is – getting behind us here in, in, you know, 48 hours or so, um, 36 hours, I guess, because, uh, it's been a rough one. I hope everybody has a great new year. Uh, thank you guys for subscribing to Pony Stampede. If you do, if not check us out, you can start it off with just a dollar, uh, for your first month. And, uh, there will be a lot of info with, between basketball transfers, um, any late guys they target before national sign day. So check that out. But again, guys, a, a, a sincere thank you uh, for listening to the pod and thank you for subscribing to Pony Stampede and uh, have a happy new year. And, and here's to a much, much better 2021. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.